In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. I was thinking this week quite a lot about staying awake as I looked at these texts, and I wondered if you can remember a time in your life when you tried to stay awake too long and how that felt sort of physically and mentally. And I, I remember as a child, it being fun at sleepovers to see who could stay up the longest, right? Could any of us really stay up all night long? And inevitably, one by one, all of us would fall asleep. Even if we made it until five or six, eventually, each one of us would slip into that restful, peaceful sleep, no matter how hard we fought it. And then there's the kind of staying up that we do when we're in high school or college or graduate school, when you're working hard and you're burning the candle at both ends and there's just too much work to do and not enough hours in the day. And that has its own kind of sense of fatigue. And then there's the staying awake that we do in the midst of crisis or the insomnia that we suffer when we're worried. I think the older we get, the less fun it is to watch the clock roll from three to four to five. So what is it that you do when you're awake and you can't sleep? For me, I usually pray first and usually they're prayers of thanksgiving for the blessings of this life. And I think I probably inherited that from that old song, if you're worried and you can't sleep, just count your blessings instead of sheep and you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. And truthfully, most of the time that works, but when it doesn't, as some of you know, I get up and work. And occasionally I'll cook something or bake something because at least if I'm going to be awake, that time ought to be productive. <laughs> at least I can create something and do something useful if I'm going to be awake all of those hours when no one else is. There's something mindful and watchful about those hours, isn't there? Whether we want to be awake or not, there's something in there that is meant for the kingdom. Of our text this morning, my favorite is the one that comes from Isaiah. And that's really about how it begins. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so the mountains would quake at your presence. Isaiah, good prophet that he is, is doing the work that all prophets do. He's calling God's people back to God to bring the people back into right relationship with God and with each other so that they can experience the abundance of God's love and protection. This is the work that all the prophets do throughout Hebrew scriptures. And it's work that Isaiah does passionately. And so this text is about trying to reconcile God's people with God after they've fallen away and lost their way. But there's something else in this text, too. There is a deep longing here, not just for right relationship, which clearly Isaiah is after, but Isaiah is longing to see and for God's people to see God at work in the world. There's a longing here to be amazed by the works and the wonders that only God can do. There's a longing in this text for certainty, for surety, that if only we could see, if only God would just make God's self known so clearly by tearing open the heavens and shaking the mountains, then there would be no room anymore for doubt or skepticism, and surely everything would be set right. How could anyone look at evidence like that at the torn sky and the shaking mountains and ignore it and not believe it? How many of us would love for God to come and set everything right? How much needs to be set right in this world that we live in today? How much would we love to see with our own eyes the wonder of God? Doesn't that seem like it would inspire change? Change in us, change in the world around us? Surely that would set everything right. 
because we wouldn't be able to look away at that point from what is sacred and holy. There would be no denying it. We would be surrounded by it. And so unable to continue to contribute to what is broken in the world in our relationships with God and with each other, which is the difficult part of what Isaiah is acknowledging in this text, that God's people both now and then are broken and struggling both to live and to find the right path. So surely if God tore open the sky and came down, that would be proof enough that we would be unable to ignore. Instead of proof and instead of evidence in the gospel, Jesus is talking about signs, signs and wonders about what is to come. And we return to a theme we heard a few weeks ago when we talked about the parable of the foolish bridesmaids. Again, here we have warnings about staying awake And we hear a similar theme also from the parable of the talents, which came just two weeks ago when we had the same scenario of the master leaving, at least for a time, and putting the slaves in charge. And I mentioned when we looked at that story a few weeks ago that slavery in this context is very different than the slavery that we think of and and study in history in this country. But while it functioned very differently in society, it still was not, as you might imagine, a good lot to have in life. It was not the way you wanted to live. And it was unlikely that a wealthy property owner on going away would leave the most important pieces of his life and his livelihood in the hands of unsupervised slaves. So in that story and in this one, Jesus is trying to show us something different. He's highlighting that even though he is the master and we belong to him, there is a sacred bond between us, a sacred trust. As he says to the disciples, I no longer call you slaves or servants, but I call you friends because you have a share in the work of the kingdom. And so if we would be his disciples too, then we are privileged with this responsibility, entrusted with God's work and God's treasures so that we might do something with them. In the parable of the talents, we heard that we are entrusted with these gifts from God in order to grow them sow them, invest them, and make something more for the kingdom out of what we have been so freely given. And here in this story, the slaves are entrusted with the household, with everything that is close and dear and precious to the master. And they do not know when the master will return. So they're meant to always be ready, to always be ready to celebrate his returning and to show what they did while he was gone that they did the work that was given to them to do, that they tended things carefully and they produced something useful out of what they had been given, something productive, something creative, something intentional. It's sort of like knowing that the pop quiz is coming, but you don't know precisely when. So you stay up and study so that when it comes, you will be ready. Keep awake, the text says, keep awake. Except those last two words in verse 37 aren't actually keep awake. They are in English, but in the Greek, it's one word, and it's a verb that comes from the verb to be. And so the translation probably is something more like continue to be alert, continue to be watchful, be watching. This is a different state than just trying to stay awake forever or not being able to sleep at night. This is about paying attention. It's about being ready, about being in an active position of watching or on some kind of active alert. And while I know that we can't do that all the time, we all need to stop and rest. A close reading of this text 
does have something important to tell us about this Advent season, especially in the midst of the season that we are all experiencing. For the next four weeks, we will prepare ourselves again for the coming of the Lord. And at the end of this time, we will celebrate again the awesome gift of the incarnation, the most important way that God breaks into the world. But until then, our texts will do what they do this morning. They will encourage us to focus on our watching, to be intentional, to to pay attention to the time that we have, to notice how we make room for God in that time, to be productive, to be creative, to use what we've been given to make something and to be busy about the work of the Lord, to offer up prayers of thanksgiving for the blessings of this life, but really then to go and use those blessings to make something new, to grow something new for the kingdom, to be part of God's work in the world right now. Because God is breaking into our lives already, right now, today, in you and all around you. And if you aren't watching and you aren't looking, you might just miss it. This kind of alertness to the needs of our neighbors, to the pain of the oppressed, to the sadness of those who mourn, and to the joy of especially the little ones who love this season so much, this kind of alertness is a spiritual state. To be able to scan the world around you for the sign of God's love, it's about being careful to watch. And at the end, it's about being alive in the Lord and knowing that we are a part of God's creation and a part of the work that continues. Awake and paying attention not only to ourselves and our relationships with God, but also to what is possible when we are in it with God, when we are in the joy and the pain and the work, when you and God are on the same team. Because the promise of this season is that God is in fact coming to set everything right. It's so clear in our text and it's so clear in all of scripture. God has already begun unfolding and unrolling the plan of salvation, and you're invited not just to benefit from it, not just to inherit it, but to be a part of sharing it and working it and inviting others into it. So how will you make this Advent season productive? How will you watch for God and then make room to be part of God's work? What will you do? What will you give? What will you create? How will you pray and study and connect and learn about God? Because my friends, there are signs everywhere that the time is coming. And the process of setting everything right began with that first Christmas. So know what you're praying for when you pray and sing for the coming of Emmanuel, when you pray for God to be with us. Watch for the signs that he is coming and yet is already here. Amen.